Listen, I want to welcome you. Uh, I'm just excited about this service today and uh, 3D, all right? Life in 3D. What's, what's life in 3D all about? My uh, uh, youngest grandchild, Landon Jew Jensen, I- I'm going to be start, start calling him LJJ. Uh, could you put him up on the screen for me? Uh, Landon Jew Jensen. I mean, isn't he, isn't he adorable? The pair doesn't fall far from the tree. Oh, not me. I mean, my daughter, you know? Uh, but he is he's such a character. Those of you who know him uh, know how funny he is. Uh, he's, uh, he's just a riot, and uh, he's a character. Uh, and uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, uh, Doug and Kelly took the family to uh, their, their first uh, 3D movie. Uh, it was Cars 3D, right? And uh, Lennon was really pumped. He was so excited about it. They uh, gave him a little bit of an explanation of what to expect, you know, but, but there's a whole lot of difference between the explanation and the actual experience, you know, especially when you're like four and three quarters, or he's going to be five in June. And so uh, he's, he's excited. He's got this anticipation, right? I think only God knew what was probably going on in his mind. Because when he sat down in this big theater, in this big screen, IMAX, right? This big screen, this big theater, right? In this big seat, right? Sitting in there, he's, he's holding on to the armchairs like this. You know, he's tense. He's not really quite sure what to expect, right? And uh, the film starts, right? And all of a sudden, you, you see Landon. He starts bobbing, and he starts... He starts ducking and he starts weaving, you know. It's like the images are coming right at him. And, he, you know, and, and at this point, Doug, you know, is trying to say, hey, buddy, you know, it, it's okay. This is what 3D is all about. It only looks like it's going to smack you up the side of the face, but it's not going to hurt you at all, you know. And, and so Landon gives it a few more minutes. And then all of a sudden, you know, after a couple of more bobbing and weaving, he takes his glasses like this and he flings them right off of his face. <laughs> Basically, what he says is, I ain't having this anymore. Now, I don't know about you, but listen, when life smacks me right in the face, when life comes at me and I don't understand all that's coming at me, I act the same way. I, I, I just, I can't handle that, you know, and I don't want to handle that. And so, and so life in 3D, right, is, uh, is, when, is when things become kind of like out of control for us. I want to talk to you about this. I want to I just pose this question first. What do I mean by life in 3D? What do I mean by life in 3D? And I'm thinking about 3Ds, okay? And, and the first D I want to talk to you about is disappointment. And that's something that we could all relate to. We've all been disappointed. We all have some experience that we could relate that, that has been a disappointment in our life. Y- years ago, uh, some of you old folks may know Walter Cronkite, right? Walter Cronkite used to host the CBS Evening News. He was... He, he, he was, he was understood or perceived to be the most uh, trusted man in America at one time, greater than presidents, even greater than Billy Graham. And, and, and he was just highly esteemed, you know, uh, because of his integrity. And, and he used to have an evening show uh, in which he would sign off every evening. He, he would say the same thing, and, he, and it would be this phrase, and that's the way it is. And he would say that, right, every night for, for a number of years. And, and what happened was there was this lady in Ohio who wrote into the producers and said she had a parakeet that mimicked Walter Cronkite and said, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. So the producers of the show felt, 
you know what? It would really be cool if we could film the, the parakeet saying, and that's the way it is, and have the parakeet close one of the evening services. It would be just so, so cool. And, and, and so what they did was they sent this uh, film crew over to Ohio, and uh, uh, they were going to film the parakeet saying, and that's the way it is. So the film crew arrives there. The, the lady is so, she's so pumped, right? She's so excited to see her bird on, on, on national TV, right? So uh, the film crew, they, they, they begin setting up, and, and the bird, like maybe about the first like 10 minutes, about a half a dozen times, the bird would say, and that's the way it is, and that's the way it is. So they're filming, you know, they're, they're getting all of their stuff together, all of their gear, their lights, their cameras, and as soon as they start rolling, guess what happens? Nothing. The bird is absolutely silent. A chirp here and there, you know. So, so the homeowner, right? The 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 owner of the bird, she she begins to coax and give him some clues, you know. And so she says, "And that's the way it is, and that's the way it is." And again, nothing. This this went on for about forty five minutes to an hour until finally the crew said, "You know what? We'll have to come back some other time." She was, she was, listen, she was disappointed, right? So they pack up their gear, right? And they're saying their goodbyes and they're heading out the door. And guess what happens? The bird says, and that's the way it is. Isn't that like life sometimes? You know, we, we, we get disappointed because we can't control the circumstances, though we try to control the circumstances of life, right? But we can't control the circumstances. And, and that, Leads that, that is destined to, to be smack right in our face with, with lots of disappointments. Well, there, there are three Ds to this message this morning. Three, three Ds, disappointments, doubts, and discouragement. And they all kind of flow together. Now, uh, some of you probably, in fact, all of you have, have, have uh, known and heard about Sesame Street, right? Is there, I mean, is there anybody who's never watched Sesame Street? I mean, the show's been on the on TV for the last 40 plus years. It started back in 1969. I, my, my kids were, 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 you know, young in the mid-70s and late 70s, and I remember watching Sesame Street with my kids, you know? And uh, maybe this is kind of a confession, but, you know, having, you know, been a parent, a grandparent, and having watched probably Sesame Street, even with my grandkids, I have a favorite, Muppet. You know, I don't know about you, but it's not Oscar the Grouch. You know, I used to live next door to a guy who used to call Oscar the Grouch. But my, 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 my favorite Muppet was, was the Cookie Monster. We love cookie. Mm, yum, 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 yum. I mean, what's not to love about that, right? But, but listen, I understand, I understand that that, that Cookie Monster has, has gone through a PC transformation. I'm politically correct. Me like veggies. I mean, it just doesn't work for me. I don't know about you. It, just, it doesn't work for me, you know. Cookies, I love cookies. I'll tell you what, that's a little bit of a cross between, uh, between uh, uh, Yoda and, uh, I guess, uh, Cookie Monster. But, 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 but anyway, the reason why I brought that up was because there used to be a segment on the show. I remember... That, that used to be, and they would, they, would, they would segue into this section and they would say something like, now Sesame Street is brought to you by the letter A or the letter B. And everything that would, that would follow, you know, visually and, and education-wise, would be stuff that would be related to whatever that letter was, right? And I started thinking about the letter D. 
You know, since this message is about life in 3D, I started thinking about the letter D. And I don't, I don't know of any other letter in all the alphabet that is as negative as the letter D. I mean, think about it. Uh, depression, despair, desolation, destruction, destitute, downcast. I mean, I can go on for about the next five minutes, but, but that would really be depressing, right? wouldn't it? But the letter D is one of the most negative words that there possibly could be. I know it's not scientific. It's just a matter, you know, my opinion, you know. And, and, then, and, then, and then there maybe is the worst D of all, and that's death. And, and who, hasn't, who hasn't dealt with death? Who, who hasn't had a, a grandparent that's passed away, a parent that's passed away, a spouse maybe that's passed away? And worst of all is when your own child maybe goes before you. And, and death is, you know, the letter D is really, you know, there's such a negative connotation, and especially with death and sorrow and grief and, and pain. And, and who among us has not experienced that? And who among us will escape death? There's not a one. I mean, our, our destiny, unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, which who knows, we, we will die. We ourselves will die. We will be parted from everyone that we have ever loved, right? And that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? Kind of depressing. And no wonder why the letter D, death, dying, you know, uh, demise. I mean, you know, that's the way it is, right? But I want you to think about this with me this morning. The shortest verse in the Bible, the shortest verse in the gospel is, is John eleven thirty five, And it's only two words, two words. It's like everybody could remember this verse. It says, Jesus wept. Two words, Jesus, Jesus cried. Jesus shed tears. Jesus wept. But I got I to ask myself as, as an expositor of Scripture, as a teacher of Scripture, why did Jesus weep? Because he was on the verge he, he, he was on the precipice of the greatest miracle of his ministry. I mean, he had brought back several of the people to life. He did some amazing miracles. Right? But, but this would be the creme de la creme. This would be, this would be the over-the-top miracle because, because this is not just resuscitating somebody who recently died like a funeral the same day. No, no. This is a friend who had died four days before whose body was already begun the decay process. And, and, and he's about ready to call Lazarus from the grave. He knows what he's about to do, right? But, so, so I asked the question, then why, why was Jesus weeping? And you know what? The, one of the answers that I, I, I am satisfied with is that here is Jesus who is not only the representation of God. He is God come in the flesh. But I, I believe that it is God's attitude, it is God's heart toward the accumulation of human pain and grief and sorrow of all death from the beginning of creation until that very moment. That this is God's attitude. This is, this is God communicating what he feels about this issue of death. That is not his it is, it is not his plan to leave death as this king reigning over the human race that he has a plan. And that, listen, it's not going to be a temporary solution to a problem. You see, Lazarus would be brought back, and as, and as wonderful as that was, but Lazarus was going to die again. 
But Jesus, listen, on the agenda for God was going to be a permanent solution to this problem called death. You know, and I, I just have a feeling that all, all of the D's that come out of, all, you know, the, the depressing, the, the discouragement, the, the doubts, the disappointment, I, I, I just have a feeling that the root cause of all of that which we experience that is negative comes out of this issue of sin and death. And I believe that Jesus had on his agenda to take care of this matter in a permanent way, overturning the sentence of death, overturning the power of death. And this Jesus did, and that's why we're celebrating Easter. That's why we've invited you all here this morning. I want you to know this. Just, 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 just by, by way of, uh, again, welcoming you, if you're here this morning and you're not quite sure where you fit into Jesus and God and, and eternal life and salvation and all that, and maybe you've got questions, maybe you have doubts about that, we are so glad that you're here. And uh, next week, Doug is going to be dealing with some of the evidence, the, the, the overwhelming, it is, it is the most established historic fact in human history. There's nothing more more, has more evidence than the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we invite you to come back for that as well at either the 11, the, the 6, or the 8 services next week. But, but I just want to say this too. Listen, if you, if you have doubts, you know, we welcome, we welcome your questions. And if, and if we can help you uh, coming to some of those answers, we don't know if we have all the answers, but we're certainly going to do our best to try to serve you. So just wanted you to know that. But Jesus Christ did something in terms of having conquered death and having conquered sin by having paid the penalty for our sins, which is the consequences of why death exists in the first place. It is because of sin that death entered into the human experience. But something brand new happened, something absolutely that can only be described as a new creation took place, life after death. But we're going to talk about it and explore that a little bit more in just a couple of minutes. But, but, but I want you to know, listen, that it, it, is, it is in knowing that and in believing that, that we have everlasting life. But you see, the, the reverse is also true. Not knowing that and not believing that means you don't have life. So we're going to look at an example this morning from the Gospel of Luke of what I'm talking about with this 3D experience, discouragement, doubt, and, and disappointment, all right? Uh, Luke was a physician, and what that means is Luke, as a physician, he was not only analytical, but he was, he was so, uh, so, so detailed in his uh, description of the ministry of Jesus. He was methodical about the the, the ministry, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I thank God for the, for the gospel of Luke because we have some facts that are absolutely vital for us to understand this issue of faith. Now, now we're going to pick up in the story on the first Easter morning, right? Uh, in the afternoon, maybe right around 11.45, right around now, this is the incident that took place. But earlier in the morning, right, early in the morning, Jesus walked out of the empty tomb. Jesus walked alive out of the empty tomb, which, which is so incredible, right? Um, he first appears to a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene, 
and uh, Mary assumes that he's the gardener because the tomb is empty and she's gone to the tomb and the tomb is empty. He's not there. A stone's been rolled away. And she says, could you tell me where they've moved the, the Lord? And, and he says one word. He says, Mary. And with that one word, Mary, her heart was just overwhelmed because she recognized the voice. She didn't recognize him physically, but she recognized the voice. And, and, and then a little later on, right, the women who also accompanied Mary, uh, they go into the tomb and they see two angels dressed in brilliant apparel. And they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not dead. He is alive. And so they run back and they tell the disciples that, that Jesus is alive, that they saw an angel, that the tomb was empty, right? And a couple of the guys, they run, Peter and John, they run to see what's going on, right? So, so we're going to pick up in the story. Now, this is mid-afternoon now, right around, right around maybe quarter to, to, uh, to 12, right, 12 o'clock. Two of the disciples are walking from Jerusalem to a, a village called Emmaus, right? And uh, it's about a seven-mile journey. Now, I, I live exactly seven miles from the church. I live off, off of Old Willits Path, just a little bit uh, west of here. And, and I've walked from my house to the church on several occasions, and it takes about an hour and a half, an hour and 20 minutes, you know. Uh, so just to give you a frame of mind what their journey was like, walking probably about an hour and a half leisurely, and as they're walking, they're, they're, they're talking with each other. But these guys are in deep 3D. They're in deep depression. They're in deep despair and doubt and, and disappointment because of the events that took place over the last several days and because the women came back and said that Jesus was alive, right? And so, so these guys are really down in the dumps, right? So what I want you to know is this. Listen, they were gripped with this... 3D experience, and it, was, and it was paralyzing them. Listen, if you're here this morning and there's something in your life that is disappointing to you or that has gripped you with, with discouragement, I want you to know that Jesus cares just as much for you right now where you are as he did for these two guys that he's about to have a conversation with, all right? So follow along with me. Jesus himself comes alongside of them. They don't recognize that it's Jesus. And he says, hey, dudes, what's, what's, he didn't really say, hey, dudes. But he said, he said, he said hey, like, why are you guys so sorrowful? And, and, and what is it that you're talking about? And they say, basically, you've got to be like the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about what's happened to Jesus of Nazareth. And, he, and he's egging them on. Well, tell me, what? What are you talking about? So we pick up in Luke 24, verse 19. He, Jesus, was a prophet. This is what they say. Jesus was a prophet who did incredible miracles and was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and man. But the chief priests and our religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to the Roman government to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had thought... We had hoped, we had believed, we had, we had wished that he was the glorious Messiah and that he had come to rescue Israel. And now, besides all this, which has happened three days ago, some women from our group went at the tomb, were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with this amazing report that his body was missing, that they had seen some angels 
there who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of the men ran out to see. And sure enough, Jesus' body was gone, just as the women had said. All right? Now, 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 now get to this. Is so, this is so important. These guys are steeped deeply into discouragement, doubt, and despair, right? Or, or depression or, or discouragement. Needlessly, because, because the, the one that they were disappointed about is talking to them. He's alive. He's conquered death. And they were, they, they, their cause for depression and discouragement and doubt was unfounded. It was ungrounded because, listen, Jesus was alive. He had conquered sin and death. And let me say, let me say this. Jesus had come for a whole lot more than just one nation. He had come for a whole to do a whole lot more than just liberate one nation. He came for every nation and every people and every generation. Now listen, I want to cut these guys a lot of slack. I don't know about you, but 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 I want I want to cut these guys a lot of slack because of their skepticism and their doubt and they're being slow to believe. I understand that. Listen, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world where sin rules and dominates the cultures of the nations of the earth. And so I understand, and, and, and there's, there's a, a, a lot of cutting of slack of, of understanding people's skepticism and their doubt, okay? But we don't stay there. So here's my, here's my second question for, for us this morning. Is it harder... For us to believe in the resurrected Jesus 2,000 years after the fact, or was it more difficult for those of the first century? Is it harder for us to believe 2,000 years later in a resurrected Jesus, or was it more difficult for them in the first century to believe? Now, I don't know what your opinion is. I'm going to tell you what my opinion is. My opinion is that it was way harder for them than it is for us. You see, we have, we have 2,000 years of mounting evidence of people that have literally a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ who can give you personal testimonies of how he's changed their lives and how he's come into their lives and that, and that he's got to be alive. But beside that, what we believe is built upon the foundation of eyewitness testimony. Right? Now, 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 one of the things that I, I want you to understand and know is this, is that in the first century, folks were really, really familiar with death by crucifixion. They understood the violence of crucifixion. They understood the brutality, the, 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 the absolute horrific nature. Listen, they also knew that crucifixion was always not only brutal, it was always final. It was final. And, 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 and I, I just have a feeling that these guys, no, no matter how or where they witnessed the crucifixion from, whether it was at a distant spot, but, but they knew that Jesus died a horrific death. They, they understood. They saw the lifeless body of Jesus being lowered, a body that had been broken, a body that had been battered, a body that had been brutalized. You, you could read about the brutalization of Jesus in the Gospels, but what I want you to know is this, and let me tell you, they probably were blown away simply by the fact that Jesus survived the scourging, because they tell you what, the Romans didn't have a mercy rule. The, the, the Romans didn't have a 40 lashes minus one, meaning that you, you come so far and no further. No, 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 it was, it was 
whatever brutality they wished to, to, to invoke upon an individual. And they had nothing but, but, but vehement despisement for a prophet Jew. In fact, they regarded all Jewish people as being less than garbage. And so imagine the, the attitude of the animosity that existed between these Roman soldiers and, and, and Jesus of Nazareth. But, but, but beside all that, listen, that is only part of the story. The other part of the story that they wouldn't have fully comprehended was the transaction that was taking place. See, far worse than the wickedness that anything that man can do to Jesus, far worse than that was the experience of what God was doing to God, of what God was do- the Father was doing to his Son as the exchange was taking place, as God was laying upon him our sin, as God was making him to become sin for us who knew no sin, that we in turn might become the righteousness of God. Listen, one of, the, one of the ancient prophets, Isaiah by name, 750 years before, you could read about this in the end of chapter 52, said that his appalling appearance was so marred, his appearance was, was so disfigured that he was not even recognizable as a, as a human being. Now, 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 having said that, having, they, they would have not have fully comprehended what that transaction and what was taking place in those three hours of darkness in which, in which the sun refused to shine, right? But they did witness that broken body. And see, see in their minds, they could never, they could never comprehend that that body that had been, that had been crucified, that, that had been scourged, that, that a spear had opened his left side and, and exposed the ruptured heart. There's no way that that body could ever sustain life again. It couldn't. That body could not sustain life again. There's no way that that heart could ever beat again or that lungs could ever be filled. But you see, God was doing something that was beyond their ability to wrap their minds around. God was doing something that could only be described as a new creation. See, amazingly, in the beginning, God brought life out of nothing, which, which, was, which is not hard for God because he can do anything. But see, n- n- now God was going to do something completely brand new. He was going to bring life out of unlife. And the life that Jesus now lives, he lives by the power of God. He lives, it's an endless life. It, he, the life that Jesus now lives, it is, it, it is not subject to death. It's not subject to disease. It could never be subject to, to death, weakness, disease, or death, anything like that ever again, because it is a brand new kind of life. It, it can only be described as a new creation. The body I guess you could say in some ways it was kind of the same, but in so many ways it was absolutely, utterly new. There was newness of life about the body that brought forth, that was able to sustain life. And here's the the good news. Here's Here's the greatest news for us, that we will be given the same glorious body like unto his glorious body. If we believe in him, if we trust in him, we will have eternal bodies that will, that will never wear out, that will never experience disease or, or sickness or death or any of that simply because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and what he has done for us. This is, this is, this is so amazing. So listen, 
I'm absolutely sympathetic toward these guys. I understand that they could not fully wrap their minds around all that God was doing. Even though Jesus told them that the Son of Man was going to be betrayed, he was going to be crucified, he would die, and he would rise again the third day, but it went right over their heads. Like so many times, it goes right over our heads until, until we have an experience with God. And God begins to do something. He begins, he begins to pour grace into our hearts, and he begins to... I mean, I spent first 24, 25 years of my life not really knowing God until until mercy found me, until God began to reveal himself to me. And I love this. We're going to pick up in verse 25. Then Jesus, they still don't know it's Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, you are so foolish. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Let me just stop here for a minute. Let me say this, that, that Jesus was, was patient and he was gentle and he was compassionate with them in the midst of their skepticism and their doubt. And I have found Jesus to be that way for the last 40 years of my life, that he is patient and he is, even, even when I fail, even when I doubt, even when I have my own questions that I have no answers to, he's patient. And I love this. Verse 26 says, He says this, wasn't it clearly foretold by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus quoted them passage after passage from the writings of the prophets beginning with the book of Genesis and going right on through the scriptures explaining what the passages meant and what they said about him. All the scriptures talk about Jesus. He he is the essence of of the entire book. From Genesis to Revelation, the story is one story, 40 different authors over generations, but really only one message, and that message is Jesus Christ. And still at this point, they still don't recognize it's Jesus, but they're beginning to get something. Something is beginning to stir. Understanding is beginning to come to them. And so they're really getting excited now because Jesus makes as though he's going to continue walking on this journey past Emmaus. And they say, no, 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 please stay with us. They compel him to stay. And and they want him to continue talking to them. They don't know it's Jesus, but so they they have a meal. They're sitting down. They're breaking bread. And it was in the breaking of bread, when Jesus blessed the bread, that their eyes were open. And Jesus vanishes in that moment. He just disappears, right? So, So we pick up in the story in verse 31. It says this, Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, or they said one to another, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's one of my favorite verses in the whole, on the whole Bible. I love that, but I also love what it doesn't say. First of all, what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, didn't we have flaming, burning passion in our hearts because we saw him with our own eyes? They didn't say that. What they did say, and what they did say is a benefit to you and me today, because the same Jesus, listen, who opened up their eyes to Jesus from the Scriptures is ready to open up your eyes to Jesus in the Scriptures. They said, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened unto us the Scriptures? 
And I want you to know this. I want you to walk away with this great truth this morning that Jesus is passionate about revealing Jesus to us through the scriptures. That we're not at a disadvantage. I know sometimes we think that the people in the first century, those disciples that walked with you, they have this great advantage over us. No, 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 they don't. We are on the same playing field and we have got, listen, one of the greatest blessings that could ever come to us is when Jesus reveals Jesus to our hearts. And he's passionate about doing that. And he sent the Holy Spirit among us to testify and to take the things that belong to Christ and reveal them unto us so that we would have wisdom and understanding when it comes to eternal life. What an amazing thing that can happen today if God would ignite hearts in this place today with a passion to uncover the beauty and the majesty of the man, Christ Jesus. I believe that that's going to happen with with many of you this morning. God's going to start a flame in your heart, and it's going to change you, and it's going to change you not only in this life, but it's going to just be a blessing to you for forever and forever. Listen, this doesn't mean that we don't deal with disappointments. We deal with disappointments, but one of the things I've found out about disappointments, we can shake them off because, listen, we have something far greater than anything in this life. It, it, it leads to eternal life. We could shake that off. You know, there's a story about a farmer whose donkey fell at a well, and uh, the donkey was crying, and, and, the, and the farmer figured it, it's too much trouble to get the donkey out of the well, and the donkey is old. So the, so the farmer kind of figured out he had to close the well up anyway. It was, it was just in the way. And so he starts shoveling dirt into the, into the well. And, and the dirt's hitting the donkey on its back. And at first the donkey was upset, but then all of a sudden the donkey got quiet. He started to shake off the dirt. And every time he shook off, he'd step up. And the farmer just kept shoveling the dirt in, and he would shake off and he would step up, shake off and step up, until finally he stepped up and stepped out. I want to tell you something. Easter is a message that we could shake any disappointment, any discouragement, anything in this life, because Easter is the evidence that Jesus Christ loves you, he loves me unconditionally, that this is the reason why he came. It was Jesus who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't one of the apostles who said that. It was one of the apostles who recorded what Jesus said. Jesus said, God, God loved the world so that men would not perish but have everlasting life. So I want you to know something this morning. That with God, all things are possible. And that your life can be possibly radically changed today for the good. 1927. Long time ago, right? A guy by the name of uh, Charles Lindbergh flew from New York to Paris, right? He had no radar. Uh, he had no, uh, no, no, no visual way of seeing in front of him because ta- welded to the, to the uh, dash, uh, to, to his you know, uh, window was an extra uh, gas tank. He had no parachute. I mean, there was a lot of things he didn't have. He had only this little kind of uh, telescope that he could look that was kind of made with a couple of small two, you know, a couple of mirrors, hand mirrors. And uh, he flew, listen, 
33 hours without sleep across the great Atlantic. He flew from New York to Paris, right? 33 hours, listen. He did something that was absolutely impossible to do, but he accomplished it. You know why? Because something is impossible until somebody can do it. Let me tell you this. The English Channel is 22 miles wide between France and England. And many athletes have tried to swim that, and many have failed. But back in 1961, a 42-year-old guy from Argentina by the name of Antonio, in 19 hours, swam the English Channel. The English Channel's waters are cold and they're angry. But he did it in 19 hours to the celebration of his friends who were in Paris. And, and, and what, what he did was, you know, they, they were just congratulating him for, for doing the impossible for a 41, somebody his age, right? He says, he says, I tell you what, he says, he says, you've not seen the impossible yet. He took a sip of a hot drink and then he said, you're about to see the impossible. And he jumped back into the water and he swam for the next 22 hours back to England. Amazing. See, but, 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 but something is impossible until somebody does what is impossible. Mary Frazano, her parents took her out of the eighth grade when she, was, when she was probably around 12 years old to work in a cotton mill in Rhode Island. 57 years later, right? She's probably about 67. She decides that she wants to go back to school. And over the next several years, she gets her high school diploma, right? At age 71, she gets her high school diploma. She then enrolls in Harvard University's extension program. And for the next 17 years, she, she takes one, one course at a time. And for the next 17 years, she, she communes 20 miles to Cambridge, Every, every, every week, every month, every year for the next 17 years. And at the age, listen, of 93, I believe it is. 90, I'm sorry, 89, the age of 89, she accomplishes the impossible because what is impossible is possible when it's accomplished. I want you to know this, that death reigned over the entire human race that the king of death ruled over every single man that's ever been born into this world until, until Jesus accomplished what was absolutely impossible by having triumphed over sin and death. And that changes everything. And the fact that Jesus Christ has, has introduced a new kind of life, he's ushered life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the greatest, can I say it this way? This is the goodest good news we will ever hear. There's nothing better than this, that you can have life and that more abundantly. You know, Doug's going to be talking about some of the evidence that we, that we, that we can find in the presentation of the, this fact that Jesus Christ, but, but what are we going to do with that information? I mean, you know, I, I'm not a rocket scientist, but, but I figured this, that if somebody can predict their death and their resurrection and then pull it off in grand style, that's got to be somebody that has influence in my life. So, so how, do we, how do we live in response to this truth? If this is true, how should this shape my life? The fact of the matter is that this should shape your life. It should be able to, to reach out to you and to say that there's, that there's a reason why Jesus Christ did this. 
that he came so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Listen, if you're not convinced, you know, I want to encourage you to come back. Keep coming. I want you to ask Jesus to do this. Just say, Jesus, reveal Jesus to me in the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you one before you leave today so that you can read some of the same things that we read and that, and that we gather faith from and, and, and this life of, of peace and joy with God. But for those of you who, who, who say, no, you know what? I am convinced that Jesus is alive. This, this is a great day for you. Because right now where you're seated, right now where you, while you're listening to me, there can be an exchange that takes place. And that exchange is, I believe with all my heart that God raised him from the dead. And, and I'm just going to say it right out loud. I, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for me, that all that he accomplished, he accomplished for me. If you, if you do that, you leave this place a changed person today. And we'd like to pray before the end of this service that you would do that. But, but listen, I want, I want to say to everyone else that you know that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus because you know that Jesus is alive. You, you, you know that you know, let me tell you, one of the greatest benefits that we have, listen, is not only that, that Jesus has dealt with this issue of death. Not, not, not only is this true of every believer in Christ that there is now, listen, therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ. No condemnation. There never will be condemnation. Not now, not 10,000 years from now, not a billion years from now. Never will there be condemnation for anyone. That is, that is huge. That is so important. But again, that's just the negative that has been radically changed for us. The positive is that, listen, we can become heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, have our names written in the lambs. But listen, it doesn't get any better than this. And you can have that this morning in the same way that those two disciples on the road to Emmaus got it when their eyes were open and they saw Jesus not because they saw him with their eyes, but because they saw Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. Thousands of years of scriptures built upon, listen, if I, if I did this now, if I, if I said to you that the next person that walks through the doors is going to be, and I give you specifics, I'm going to give you the height, the weight, the color hair, the, the age of the person. You know, the, the more facts that I put into the the prediction of who will walk through the door, the harder it will be. Well, there are over 300 plus specific scriptures that Jesus Christ has come to fulfill. Astronomically, mathematically, the probabilities are it is impossible for anybody to have, to have defrauded or, or somehow hoodwinked the human race because of all of those prophecies over all of those years and, 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 and this, is, this, is, this is huge, that you can have that this morning without money and without price. It's called, it's called forgiveness. If the message of Easter is about anything, it's about forgiveness, that we have forgiveness of sins. Now, I don't know about you, I, I didn't need anybody to tell me that I was a sinner. When I was 25 years old, I knew the stuff I did was worthy of death. But then somebody shared with me a simple message that, you know what? God loves you so much that he paid for those sins so that you don't have to pay for them. He suffered and died a horrific, horrible, physical, 
spiritual, emotional death so that you can be set free. You know what? I'm not a rocket scientist, but I figured that's a pretty good offer. Just to receive that by faith. And so I just want to pray with you this morning. Pray for you on different levels. If you're here this morning, and, and maybe you still have questions. Maybe you're still skeptical. We, 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 we're not judging you. And if you have doubts, we want to help you with some of those questions. But for those of you who want to make that exchange this morning, you do it like this. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and you rose again from the dead for me so that I would not be condemned, that I would be forgiven. And I receive what you've gifted right now. And for those of you who are established in the faith and you're growing in the faith, we just want to encourage you. Share that same truth that you've heard today with family and friends today as you spend Easter today with, with maybe friends and family. Just, just be bold in your declaration because every single one of us, unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, will experience death. But, but for those who have... Jesus, they have already passed from death unto life. And that's the good news this morning that we're celebrating. Amen? Amen.